2: You're listening to DraftKings Network. It's a beautiful morning
0: I think I'll move What's up everybody? Welcome to Gojo, I'm Mike Golick Jr. That is me. With me as always, and we are back with a full house today, Super Producer Brandon Newman. My father returns, Mike Golick Sr. And actually on a Wednesday, so no need to adjust your clocks or calendars, our good friend Charlotte Wilder coming to us live from down in Miami as she's been down with the folks at the Dan Levitard Show. Charlotte, we'll start with you first. How you doing?
2: I'm phenomenal. You can see the Miami skyline behind me. The Heat Kaseya Center, or however you say it, I can see from this hotel it is taunting me i'm i'm mad at it uh and so yeah go celtics how are you guys
1: dad yeah i'm doing 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 well charlotte i gotta ask do you and and i don't i don't know this i haven't heard your prediction do you want miami to lose because they beat your celtics or do you want miami to win because they beat your celtics
2: i want miami to lose I want Miami to lo- I know there are people who are like, "If you can't beat him, join'. Him. Great. I respect that. Um, I am not I, I do not want to join them at all. Um, I am rooting for the big boys of Denver and our most prominent Eastern European large adult galloping son. So, um, that's my (laughs) official position. Thank you so much for asking.
0: Well, no, it is a great question though. And it's the most pressing one that comes up because there is that thought of, Oh, once my team loses to a team, do I want to make sure that my team then lost to the best team possible that, all right, well, we lost, but we lost to an unstoppable force of nature's fury, and Miami was a team of destiny and all these different things. I heard Bill Simmons say God wants this Miami team to win, so maybe it's the thought that it's a lot easier, Dad, to stomach that, oh, well, if we lost, this team was preordained and destined, and so there was nothing we could do about this.
1: You know, that, that's kind of how I was, you know, the years that the Cowboys won the Super Bowl in '92 and '93, when we were trying to, and we lost to them one of the years uh, in the playoffs, it's like my gosh, you know the hate between the Eagles and the Cowboys, Jimmy Johnson and, and Buddy Ryan. Now this was after when they were in the Super Bowls. Rich Kotite was the coach, but still before that, so I was like, how do you, how could you root for a division foe? But I, that was my thought process is well, A, let's make sure our division and our conference is the better conference by winning the Super Bowl, and B, if I'm going to lose to somebody, let it be to the Super Bowl champ. That at least gives me some, you know, if I played them well during the year, some, hey, these are, that's the best team in football, and we played pretty well against them. So I get the other side of it, that hate is hate, and you never want that team to win. But when I'm actively involved in it, there is something to say, oh, you know what, I was on the field and I lost – to what is, at this point, the best team in the NFL.
2: I do think, though, for me, that I need to think of Denver as the team of inevitability. I need to think that whoever came out of that really bizarre, awful series between the Heat and the Celtics was just walking into a buzzsaw. And so it's better that we didn't even – we. It's better that the Celtics didn't even face them (laughs) or have to deal with it. Like, let Miami get run over. And so what I am pretty sure is going to happen is that Miami is going to (laughs) win.
0: You know what? And I think, Charlotte, that makes sense because of how you guys lost in seven games. Because if it had been a sweep like it was trending beforehand, maybe then it gives some credence to wanting this team to be one of the best ever. Like, I can only speak from my personal experience that in hindsight now, because of what Alabama did to my team in that title game in 2012, that was the back half of their back-to-back titles – I preach the gospel that that's one of the greatest college football teams of all time because that serves me. I ran across a TikTok video of that game saying 2020 uh, 2012 Alabama-Notre Dame was a crime against humanity, and I double-tapped the hell out of that thing to make sure people understood how good that Alabama team was because then it makes me feel a little bit worse retroactively. So, But because you guys lost it so close and ended up losing it in seven games, maybe it changes it a little bit because now you need to believe that, yes, even if we had made it. Because because the margin was so slim, Nikola Jokic and this Denver Nuggets team, were going to do what we watched them do all year long. So Charlotte, walking into game three, you have got to be a little bit terrified after what you saw in game two, right?
2: Oh yes, 1,000% terrified. And I guess one thing is that you know Miami has been better on the road. Um, I think a lot of the teams this year have been better on the road in the playoffs, which is a little bizarre. Um, but if they can go in there and do that against Denver – you know at altitude i know that it's become sort of a joke to say that but like i don't know i can't walk upstairs in denver um so i i think that there is this feeling of are the heat inevitable but i also just think we don't know right now like we've seen two games that have gone differently but also the same and that miami never stopped hustling like even in game one they were they, they cut the lead and then they kept going for it and Denver was superior and sort of overpowered them with size but going into tonight like do you have Jokic who's just playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers and is that enough does Jamal Murray go off do you does Aaron Gordon have a great game or do you go in there and you know is Gabe Vincent like oh I'm sorry call me undrafted one more time you know like how is this how is this gonna go
0: Yeah, I guess that's the big question going into tonight, Dad, is... What that next adjustment looks like from one side or the other, because we said walking into this series with what Denver had been, especially offensively, all season long, all through the postseason, they had been one of the better off season offenses in the regular season, the best off offense in the postseason, and that was still largely true. We talked to Nikias Duncan from the Dunker Spot podcast yesterday and said they were the better offense, even in last game. It was the lapses defensively that got created and ironed out that. Some of it, yeah, Michael Malone might be right where effort, but a lot of it was execution and what Miami was able to force them into. So, Dad, what do you expect tonight from Nikola Jokic and the bunch here as they walk down to Miami?
1: Well, listen, we can X and O this thing to death, and that's what everybody is going to be doing today, right, is uh, we saw Miami in game one get two free throws in game two. They got 20. They were more aggressive to the hoop. They only had a couple of drives at a hoop in game one. They did it a lot more in game two. Their shooters hit the three-pointers. The rotation of the defense for Denver was bad. It was leaving them open uh, for three-pointers. You heard Ramona Shelburne ask uh, Eric Spolster about making Jokic to score, and he basically dismissed her in the question when his own players on his own team, including Bam Adebayo, basically said, we can't let the Joker distribute to everybody. So she, he basically said what Ramona uh, had asked. It was actually a very good question, but a coach doesn't want to admit that. Um, So are they going to do that? Is that the way they're going to cover the Joker? So I I don't – the X's and O's are going to be the X's and O's, and we're going to watch. To me, this game, especially in the beginning, is going to be about the intangible. It's going to be about effort because that's what Michael Malone got all over his players for was effort. So while it can be scheme that gets those Miami players the open threes, there's also the effort. We've talked about this all the time, especially in basketball. Defense can be X's and O's, uh, but it's a lot of want to. You know, it's about getting where you need to be with effort. And that was the key word after game two, to the point, again, where three of the starters didn't even talk to the media after that game. I think they just got reamed uh, in, in in the post talk by Malone after that game. So that's what I'm going to look for, especially those first five, ten minutes of how aggressive Denver comes out and is in the face of the Miami players not letting them get those uncontested threes because that's what it then comes down to, right? How, how aggressive is Miami to the bucket? How are they hitting their threes? Is Strews hitting them? Is Robinson hitting them? Is Vincent well, hitting them? And then get, how, is,
0: how is Joker in this game? Well, I guess that's my thing, though, is like effort is easy for Michael Malone to say after the game because it's the catch all, right? A lot of this seemed like mental breakdowns, which you can maybe attribute to effort. Some of the stuff that we saw at the end of the game where they're just letting Duncan Robinson carve them up in the final 10 minutes, working off ball stuff with him. But like, Dad, you mentioned like effort in the ways that we can see tangibly, right? How are you closing out on things? What are you doing faced up with your defender? a lot of the same open looks were there in game one. So was it bad effort there too? Was Michael Malone concerned about it there? Like, it does seem like there was some stuff where it was just mental lapses and how they were covering the heat down the stretch that are going to have to get addressed with this team. And and really, quite honestly, it's then figuring out, too, all right, Miami made more of their shots, and so it changed what it allowed Miami to do defensively coming off that and all those different things. It's going to be figuring out for Denver, all right, how do we adjust based off that? How do we put ourselves in a better position defensively? I don't think it's, like, totally all predicated on effort, right? Like...
1: No, no, yeah, not everything on effort. I, I agree with what you're saying, but I do expect Denver to come out more aggressive today. I, I or tonight. I, I absolutely expect that. And then also how does how does Miami play the Joker, right? Uh, he had what, fourteen assists in game one, four in game two? Are they just gonna play him one on one, let him back down, let him shoot, let him let him play that game and guard everybody else so he can't kick it out? That's going to be the thing to watch. That was the thing that was brought up. Again, their own players in Miami said we can't let him be the all-around player. So how do they guard him early, especially when Bam needs a break and Zeller has to come in, you know, and, and, and kind of be yeah. that guy.
0: The out of Zeller minutes. Of, I was uh, just going to say, do we think <laughs> we're still going to get the Zeller minutes oh. at this point?
1: Well, Bam's got
2: to get some rest, like, right? I don't know. I, I, I think that there's going to be – I think a huge difference for Denver is going to be playing on the road because I think there's there's something to be said for a hostile crowd really being the thing that a team uses to rally around and be like, they don't want us to win it, let's go win it. And I, and I feel like Denver might need a little bit of a chip on their shoulder in addition to, you know, we've never been to the finals. But I, I think that that might give them some confidence or something to push against in terms of how much effort they're giving.
0: Yeah, listen, I always loved a good road environment. I'm sure these guys, even though for Denver, their thing has been up until this last game, they had not lost a game at home this postseason. There is something about having the hard reset come. Whatever you want to couch it to for what changed for this team down the stretch. And it was still a close game. We talked about that Boston and Miami series being close. Game two was close. A chance that you know Jamal Murray had to win it or tie it at the buzzer. All of that coming into crystal focus down on the road in Miami where somewhere in the background, the Denver Nuggets are going to be able to hear still Mike Ryan celebrating his victory that we will get to shortly. I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister?
1: I mean, well, really, all I know, it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister?
0: Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time.
1: Damn, that's
0: cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Uh, Well, you
1: know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf.
0: Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Since I didn't say it off the top of the show, by the way, we got a great show for everyone today. As always, download, subscribe, rate, review, leave us a five-star rating, check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel and DraftKingsNetwork.com, live from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern, Monday through Friday. We will get to Mike Ryan's victory lap for some major news in the world of soccer. We will get to the news that happened in the world of golf yesterday. Dad wasn't with us on the show. We obviously didn't have Charlotte here. And so I want to get both of their thoughts on the situation as live golf and the PG. GA Tour are now merging. But before we do any of that, I had a unique brand of pollution hit my timeline yesterday, and I want to show it to Charlotte, who I'm sure has probably seen this, but mostly to my dad, who I know was busy yesterday and in general does not consume the internet at a rate that I do. I saw. Kyle and Chris Long do this with their father Howie over on the Greenlight podcast where they showed Howie the the Los Angeles Chargers schedule release video and got his reaction to it and I was jealous that we didn't do this and so I figured the perfect place for us to bite this bit would be with this particular video here that went viral. Dad, I don't know if the words Baby Gronk mean anything to you outside of Michael Mayer and the uh, nickname he was given at Notre Dame, but this was the video that was gracing the timeline yesterday and confusing old people and young people alike. Watch this and just give us your reaction. Livy just convinced Baby Gronk to commit to LSU. Baby Gronk is the number one college football prospect in the country. He averages 300 yards and five touchdowns a game. On his visit to LSU, Livy rizzed him up. Livy even hugged Baby Gronk. He might be the new Riz King. Do you think Baby Gronk will lead LSU to a national championship? And um, so, Dad, is Baby Gronk
1: the new Riz King? It makes me want to throw up. I mean, where where we are on putting a a grade schooler, middle middle schooler, as leading a college team to a national championship, and and how we? And it's not the kids' fault, but though in, in this day and age, we see the kids put out their videos and stuff like that, but it's a joke. It's an absolute joke. Uh, it, it's laughable at this point. And I don't mean about the, about the kid at all. I mean about the perception about what we're doing, about making a video like that, about what we're saying. Can he do this? Can he do that? Let's a kid reach puberty first. How about that? And then maybe we'll go from there and to see what he does over the next how many years before he even attends college. I, I'm, I'm embarrassed. For us, as a sporting world, when stuff like that is done, without question, embarrassed.
0: I, Charlotte, I don't know about you. I'm very confused about the sincerity of all of this. Like, I don't know at this point. I don't know if this is a bit.
2: I okay. I just want to go on record saying I understood maybe every fourth word that that guy said. I I I've never felt older in my entire life than I do at this <laughs> yeah. very moment. I don't entirely know what was going on. I thought it was a joke. Like, is this kid actually committed to LSU? Who's Livy? Who's the guy doing the talking? What is Riz King? I don't know, man. I'm a little confused. And I don't know if that's a me problem or a, 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 a them problem, but I think it's a me problem.
0: All right, let's go down the list here. Dad, do you have any idea what Riz is? No clue. Zero. Zero. All right, perfect. Do you have any idea who Livy is?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. She's a gymnast from LSU. She's the all the Oh, that's on, who that
2: was? Yeah, that was Livy. Yeah. 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 Now, oh, she, she's kind of
1: taken over okay. for the for the, uh, the the twins from Miami, right, who play basketball at Miami and now are gone from Miami, and they have kind of disappeared. I, we'll see where they reappear. At least I think they have. I she haven't was, seen them around anywhere. But Livy is, were, she is like doing the really thing great. now,
0: right? Yeah oh yeah Libby's That'll been doing this well, for I'm a
2: while sure. she's been she's been getting endorsement yeah. I mean she's been writing yep. that NIL okay okay I okay
0: Charlotte to your point about the person talking I believe in the research I've done he's a college lacrosse player at UMass Lowell who has turned into somewhat of a YouTube star which is bizarre and um for anyone unfamiliar Baby Gronk is actually an eight-year-old, at least as of January of last year, so he might be nine nine now, named Madden San Miguel from Dallas. He has trained with professional athletes. um, I believe Tony Pollard from the Cowboys is a guy that he's worked out with. I think I saw it, like, again, I don't really know how much, I feel like how Dan Lebitard feels on his show all the time, where I think I saw the other day that Arizona actually offered the kid. I'm not even sure that you can legally do that. So, Dad, this is one of those spots where I feel just as confused as you do watching a lot of this. This feels like the inflection point where now I have realized I've become old because I kind of feel the same feelings that you do, where this largely, based on what I've read, feels like it's been driven by his dad who works in social media Marketing and has helped him put all this stuff out here. I don't know how much the kid's in on, how much the kid likes, how much this is going to help him, Uh, but all I do know and all I can say with sincerity is actually watching the videos and watching some of the football stuff, kid's kind of nice. Like he might have a shot to actually lead LSU to a national championship. I just want to educate the the
1: world on what a Riz is. Yeah. Can we tell what the Riz King
0: is? Okay. So
1: a Riz is someone's ability to flirt and be charming, especially. From their verbal communication while pursuing a romantic interest, so he oh, is a well. risk king as well as a uh, you know the next Reggie Bush.
2: That's, Thank that's, you so much.
1: It's great to Griffin. say it. Great to say about it. I a, also... An eight-year-old. I...
2: Yeah, I feel like when I was little, (laughs) when I was like in elementary school and my mom would have, you know, her her workout stuff around and I'd be like, I want to do weights and like pick up the little ones. She'd be like, I don't know that that's good for kids' bones. So I never did weights as an eight-year-old. And so I wonder how good this is for this guy.
1: I mean, (laughs) this is crazy. I mean, listen, as far as offering, you can offer anybody and anybody can accept because it doesn't mean squat until you actually get to, to where... It, you sign something on the dotted line. So all this, we've seen eighth graders commit and all this kind of BS that's going on. And as far as him working out with pro athletes, all that is is photo ops. That It's not like Frank Pollard or any other pro guy is saying, hey, let me go work out with this eight-year-old. That's probably the eight-year-old or his dad working this situation in to get a picture of his son with these pro athletes. It, it's but, but I sit here and say it's a joke and it's an embarrassment. But it's what we do today. It's how much can we get our names out there. At some point, talent has to take over. Mike, we have seen kids in fifth grade basketball around here growing up, look like they're gonna be the next, you know, Jason Kidd or Kyrie Irvin. And then three years later, you know, they haven't grown an inch and they stink. So
0: yeah, you have no His- idea what's gonna go on with these kids. Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLID. Only on the DK Horse app. Dad, Charlotte, but Brandon, the last thing I'll say uh, on the baby Gronk front is. The thing I think I'm kind of realizing as we are breaking down a video about a YouTube star football playing nine or 10 year old and it, the potential seriousness of his football career or any of these things is I'm starting to realize as with most things on the internet, this is probably just content. And we have no idea, dad, like you said, if he's going to end up being anything when it comes to football. It's dope watching little kids sauce on other kids in flag football. I am all here for those kinds of videos, watching ankles, get broken at the nine-year-old level and this kid's doing it in spades so good on him for dishing that out but this just seems like everything else it's how many youtube subscribers can i get out of this how many page views can i get out of this because now the money's coming in earlier than ever for everybody involved because there's weirdly an appetite for all of this stuff in a way that's probably speaks to the sports industrial complex as much as anything else out there. So maybe that's it. Maybe none of this is actually about, or only part of this is actually about the sincerity of someone's quest to go and do all the things that we've done. And instead it's really just about, Hey, well, we you know, while we've got everyone's attention here, let's see if we can sling some product.
1: Yeah. Well, they're, they're, they're slinging product and, and, and I get it. I get that's where we are in this state, especially on social media. So listen, if, if that's the play, Cool. I'm, I am just talking about the thought process of when you say watching a nine-year-old sauce another nine-year-old in flag football or tackle football. Fun to watch. Cool. But don't put it to, is this kid then going to lead a college to a national championship? All right. right. Let's. There, there's Whoa. just got to be a line. The kid's cool. He's fun to watch. Man, he could be something down the road. And let's leave it at that. Okay. Uh, th- I, I guess, but that's that doesn't get I you am, page it, views
0: if you're a college lacrosse player trying to get his TikTok algorithm to thrive. Oh,
1: <laughs> yeah, I sound also, like a real yeah, hater yeah. right now. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it makes me feel. It makes me feel like I have done my entire life wrong. Like I have missed the boat. Like I don't have six hundred thousand YouTube subscribers. I have. I do have a Substack, the com. You can pay me to read it if you want. Um but you know, I don't ha- I haven't monetized my life in a way that means that I'll be able to send my future kids to college. So really it's on all of us who aren't baby Gronk
0: no, that's probably what this comes down to, is maybe we're all just jealous haters and we have to uh, reconcile with that however we're going to. So congratulations to Brady Gronk on all of this future and current success. Uh, guys, we've probably got to talk about the Live Golf PGA thing right now, uh, because I had to get up this morning and watch a five-minute interview of Bryson DeChambeau on CNN with Caitlin Collins where he may have inadvertently apologized for 9-11. I'm still not fully able to process this, but it's just emblematic of the space that we're at now after yesterday's announcement. Uh, Shocker, it sounds like, to people involved in the PGA, golfers and everybody around but a very select few, that the Live Golf Tour would be merging with the PGA. So, Dad, you were actually on a golf course working an event when this news broke down. You were taking in the information there. What was your biggest takeaway from this news and the way it came out?
1: Well, the, the biggest takeaway was first the h- hypocrisy of Jay Monahan, the, the commissioner, which we'll get into a guy that I've definitely had on the show many a times when I was at ESPN. I just saw him when DraftKings was breaking ground on a uh, DraftKings Sportsbook, you know, brick and mortar in Arizona, uh, chatting about that. But And he even says, you know, he understands if people look at him as a hypocrite. I, we were all wondering how this was going to end up, right? There was going to be an end game, you know, whether, and throw so the DP, the, the World Tour in there as well, along with PGA and obviously Live Golf. But what was the end game going to be? There's lawsuits everywhere, right? Um, and there's animosity between players, Live players and PGA players, at least at times there seemed like it when they get in the same tournament it doesn't seem it bad. So what was the end game going to be? You look at at uh, live; they were just bleeding money, right? I mean, they a two billion they've already put into this thing, and and basically have got not and not got anything back. They stopped giving their ratings that are on CW right now because nobody's watching. They're not making any money at all. So while they have very very deep pockets, how long would they have kept fronting this? If year after year they're losing a billion dollars or so, I, God knows they have more money than they need. But at some point, do you have to say cut this thing off and say it's just it's just not working at all? Well, we didn't get to that point because Jay Monahan worked out a deal um, to to merge. So I, I guess I'm shocked, but not shocked because at the end of the day, what's it about? It's about money. It's always about money, and and your mother. Uh, tweeted out the other day and I saw tweets like this as well. Well let let's stop the fake outrage, right? Let's just stop. You know, we're outraged for let's time it and we're good. Okay, the outrage is long enough. Go ahead everybody make the money, everybody do what you're going to do. We're outraged enough if you're the commissioner of, of the PGA saying, "Have you ever been embarrassed by being in the PGA, you know, talking about 9/11 in Saudi Arabia and the guys who went to live." So uh, stop with the fake and, and, and there, there's so much fake outrage look at china and the nba we were all out that was going on when we were doing shows at espn and there was outrage nobody says a damn word about it now it's fake outrage you know this was a cancel well, society I don't, I'll, now. dad i'll push
0: back on that i don't think outrage is fake i think pointing out that bad people are doing bad things isn't a okay. problem I think, understandably, the attention spans of people in a world where a lot of bad things are going on all at once and not all of them are a direct part of their life can absolutely come into play. And in this case in particular, when you talk about the outrage here, yes, it is right to point to Jay Monahan and call him a hypocrite for invoking the 9-11 families in an interview a year ago at the same tournament that he just flew up to to meet with the players and tell them about this news yesterday. He absolutely deserves to wear all of the egg on his face. But when it comes to the decision, whether it was a moral position that the PGA players took, whether it was a position based on what they believed about the history of the PGA Tour, there were a bunch of those guys that did choose to look at the offers that they got from Live Golf and from the Saudi Royal uh, from the Saudi Royals and say, "No, I'm not going to take this." However they came to it, they in turn took a stand that is somewhat political because all of this is political when you've got money coming from the Saudi royal family involved in this. And now they've had that money forced into their pockets. And so their outrage is not fake. Theirs is one that says, hey, I made a decision because you told me we stood for something. And then Jay Monahan went back. This is one man, as someone put it yesterday, Leroy Jenkinsing the hell out of this situation and saying, I'm going to go in and do what I believe is best for me. And maybe he can justify it as best for this, but I don't think it makes the outrage fake. I think it, like everything else, is is complicated because of how much that we all have going on here. But pointing at this and saying the source of this money is not good, I don't think is inherently wrong. Well, I mean, the,
1: the outrage then, the outrage on Jay Monahan, because he was certainly outraged. I, I shouldn't put it. Oh, on yeah, the no, Jay Monahan looks like an idiot. There's no question. Yeah, every, every, but everything has a time limit, it seems. Even your, listen, the worst thing we have out there for fake, for fake outrage or their outrage, but nothing gets done. And again, I don't point to certain people, is mass shootings we have everywhere. We all say thoughts and prayers, we're all outraged, and nothing ever gets done. Nothing is solved uh, in this situation. The China situation, as I mentioned with the NBA, nothing, you know, we that just kind of goes by the wayside and nobody talks about it anymore. Here, money was, the battle was about where, who was investing in Live? What they stood for, and we didn't want any of their money. And now all of a sudden, you know, Jay does the 180 and says, "Now we'll take their money because a we're losing too much money in the lawsuits. We don't know what's going to come up in in you know that or they do know from the Saudi side and the PGA side what's going to come up in the in the the uh, courts if it continued to go that way, and they were losing a ton of money there. So at the end, it was about where that money was coming from. And then we finish with, well, we're going to start grabbing some of that money now. Now, although you do, I do feel feel bad is the wrong word. But the PGA players who decided not to go to live because they didn't want to take that money. Now that money is getting rammed down their throats. They have no choice unless they want to go on some tour that's not involved in this. They don't have a choice. The money they're going to get in their
0: purses is live is Saudi Arabia money. Well, that's the thing we don't actually know yet. What I will say is we don't know now. It's a whole new private fund that's set up that involves Live and the European tour because the PGA itself is technically a non-profit. We don't know if Live money is going to be paid into the purses. We're waiting to find a lot of that stuff out here. But Charlotte, I think to Dad's point about the outrage versus what's at the source of this. I will still maintain, I don't think the outrage is fake, but I think at some point there's a feeling of futility because the people who are upset about this are not the people that end at the end of the day get to make the decisions. Like this initially was positioned as, this was a rival league that popped up. Jay Monahan's outrage initially was, hey, this is someone that's trying to affect our bottom line. And then he decided to try and take moral high ground in a way that was really ill-advised when we know in most of sports, you're in the bottom line business and eventually you're going to give way to the money. And so Charlotte, I, I think... Again, the people that rightly looked at this and said, hey, this smells kind of funny, aren't ultimately the people that get to make the decisions that do affect that in a lot of different walks of life.
2: Yeah, I think my my feeling about the whole thing is that for the players, there's this feeling not only of outrage or of feeling like Monaghan's a hypocrite, but they have lost the locus of control. They no longer have the ability to do what they think is right because it has been foisted upon them in a really shady way. Golfers didn't know. Golfers agents didn't know. And it makes me think like this is a huge thing to not leak. So I feel like that money was already coming in maybe you know this is total speculation but like who who is who is not saying something like people in the know were clearly keeping this under their hats and and i think that the problem is with any kind of outrage as a fan you feel like well what can i possibly do what can I do about this? And I think that for the players, I don't even know how this, I, I don't understand how this can even come close to working. I know that it will because money always wins. Um, but mm-hmm. like guys like Brooks and, and Phil, Brooks Capka and Phil Mickelson and and Bryson DeChambeau, it, it, do they just keep their hundreds of millions of dollars? And do the other players play on the same tour with significantly less because they won't take... Like, I'm very confused about the mechanics of it, and I don't think anybody knows what the mechanics of it are. But I I also think that there's this... This all money is dirty, right? Like, you can trace all money back to something that is not good. But I think the blatancy, the, the blatant badness and, and complete disregard for any kind of, nobody was pretending with live, Nobody was pretending. Everyone was like, yeah, it's probably, it's very bad and it's a lot of money and I'm building generational wealth for my families, which is also something that is hard to say well don't do that because who are we to sit like you know so it it all is just thorny and and ethically muddy and um i think it really really sucks that players who were trying to take some sort of stand because they thought the tour had their back are now just completely twirling in the air
0: Well, And that becomes the really interesting part, I think, looking going forward, Dad, is what you and Charlotte of Bull said. We really don't know a lot, and I don't think they do. It sounds like because of the legalities that you mentioned, Dad, this came together pretty quickly and said, we'll announce the merger, we'll figure out how it looks specifically as we go along here, but we'll get clear of all the legal action that could have come, discovery, all these things that were starting to become a reality for everybody involved. But Charlotte mentioned how the players found out. And the fact that there are a group of players now that are gonna be looking up going, how are you gonna make me whole? For Rory McIlroy and these dudes that had to go out here and answer tough questions in front of the media about how all of this was going in a way Jay Monahan didn't. How are you going to make us whole after we stuck by you, we held the company line, and then you walked across and took the money just the same here? That's going to be something that comes up. But dad, I looked at all of this, and I'd love your thoughts on this as a former member of a union like we always talk about here. This seems like an area. Jay Monahan got to act alone in a way that he would not have been able to do were this a sport where you had a union, where things were collectively bargained here. And I'd have to imagine that's got to be immensely frustrating to a bunch of golfers that felt like they were in a partnership, felt like Jay Monahan had their back, and now. I don't. I guess again, like most things, the short, simple answer is: if he's able to put enough money back into their pockets, maybe these guys will, you know, forgive. But I don't know how they trust Jay Monahan to make decisions on their behalf anymore.
1: Well, I mean, here here's the deal: it's it's the rules of the sport, right? While there is a player advisory council, which Tiger is on, which Rory is on, and a few other golfers, all the, all that gives you is open communication, supposedly. You know, with Jay Monahan. But at the end of the day, Jay can still make those decisions with, obviously, we, there was a couple of guys on the board as well who were involved in this. And and also, we have to remember with a with union, uh, which I was part of, when on strike. My brother Bob was on strike twice during his years in the NFL. I was on strike once. That there is a collective bargaining agreement. But there are things that a commissioner or a league can just put into play in different sports. You know, we, we talked about when some of the rule changes were going on in baseball, that that the, the uh, baseball want, was working with the union. But at the end of the day, they could make some of those decisions on their own. So there's even, even in our unionized sports, there are decisions that the sport can make over the union. But for the most part, it's got to be collectively bargained. There just isn't that here. It's all about relationships and trust, right? I have a relationship, we have a relationship with the commissioner, we discuss things, and then all of a sudden you're popping on Twitter seeing, oh my God, what what I was just talking against or fighting for or whatever it was meant nothing, and we just went the other way. So yeah, that's that's a tough call in that he again met with the players, one of the players called him a liar in that meeting, said he should resign. Uh, So it, it got pretty heated, and I understand that. I understand that. I mean, even if you're going to do it, give the guys a heads up, you know, because you can give the guys a heads up. They can yell and scream about it and you can still go do it. You're going to get chastised either way. So why not be upfront about it and say, guys, I know we discussed, I know we've done this, but this is what we're going to do. And here's why. And we're still waiting for the reasons why. Jay Monahan, at, at this point, it says it just makes sense now, but giving really no reason. But, the lawsuits will stop paying all that money. To the lawyers is going to stop discovery. Maybe uh, very important for both sides is going to stop. And he even said it, it does sound like a fair thing to reimburse the players who stayed and missed out on all of that money. Now, how they're going to do that, I have no idea because you can do it with the player fund, which they do, which Tiger usually leads every year at like twelve or fifteen million. But we're talking about. Hundreds of millions of dollars for the top players that live that the top players in the PGA could have gotten.
2: I do think that what Monahan said when he said, um, I accept these criticisms, but circumstances do change. I think that in looking at the big picture and looking at it this way, that's what got us to this point. And that's word salad. That is word salad, that means nothing. Uh, also like the, the Saudi circumstances have not changed. Uh, the, the legal circumstances have changed. The amount of money you need might have changed, but that's not really the players It is the player's problem, but job to make it not the player's problem. So basically you're saying things changed for me because I started getting in hot water, maybe. Um, And and I think, you know, it's exactly, he probably didn't tell the players because he knew that he would get this blowback and it would leak, it it would look bad. So he might as well just do it, like rip the bandaid off, have everybody mad at once. And then as, you know, Christine so rightly pointed out, we're all going to move on because... A there's going to be something else but B what can we possibly do? Like what does this mean for fans who want to watch golf and not feel bad about it? It's impossible. You can't watch sports and not feel kind of bad about it.
0: Yeah, that's that's going to be the end game here, right? Is people are still going to watch golf because there's more degrees of separation from the decision that was ultimately made here. You mentioned what Jay Monahan did here. Had he not felt the need to go overboard and invoke 9-11 families and try and take this moral high ground in a way that would end up making him a hypocrite, you could have, if you're Jay Monahan, have positioned this as saying, we defeated our chief rival right now. Some faction sprang up to try and thwart the PGA or try and create a rival in the PGA, and we stopped it. We stopped that from happening here, which you could spin as a win for him had you not made the decisions and said the things that you said. And now we get to here and sit at a point where the the thing that I look at from this is the Saudis could also spin this as a win. They now have at least some measure of influence inside yet another sports structure that is well-respected worldwide. And I do wonder where it stops. Is this the last American enterprise that this group, this PIF fund, decides to pour money into how much closer to home is this going to start to hit as now this seems like yet another sign that the floodgates are continuing to open. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Whew, all right, I feel like I need to take a shower after all that. I'm sure we'll get to plenty more on that as we get actual information about what the structure of this Live and PGA merger is going to look like. But why don't we try and get away from that and get towards the end of this show as we still need to celebrate some things, including Mike Ryan's great victory and Charlotte Wilder's recent concert extravaganza. But before we get to that, we also need to celebrate or pre-celebrate instead of pre-grieving like Roman Roy we can pre-celebrate Father's Day that's coming up very soon and it's getting here folks you're going to want to make sure if you haven't already addressed the big day that you get to it and thankfully our friends at Omaha Steaks are going to be able to help you out and make that happen because dads want steak they're simple creatures they are grazers and they love putting meat on a hot surface letting it sit there for a little bit till it gets to their desired temperature and then having a little bit of that that is where you come in here you and the folks at Omaha steaks get to help make that happen give him maybe the best meal of his life and a chance to grill it up himself for a limited time now when you go to omahasteaks.com you can enter the code gojo into the search bar and you're going to be able to order the dad's favorite gift package for just 99.99 plus you're going to get eight free omaha steaks burgers with your order these burgers taste just like the steak on a bun and are ultra lean packed with big bold intense beefy flavor you get four bacon-wrapped fillets, four premium air-chilled uh, boneless chicken breasts, four boneless pork chops, four gourmet jumbo franks, four made-from-scratch caramel apple tartlets, and the Omaha Steak seasoning. You're gonna save over 60% on Dad's favorite grill pack when you get there. You're also going to get those eight free Omaha Steaks burgers all for the low, low price of $99.99. Remember, gifting is easy, so give Dad's the gift of steak. Omaha Steaks isn't just steak, it's the best steak of your life guaranteed. Don't wait. Go to OmahaStakes.com, type in code GOJO in the search bar, and order Dad's favorite gift package for Father's Day today. That's OmahaStakes.com. keyword GOJO. All right, friends. Let's get to this, that, and the third. Three quick stories to finish off the day here. As always, download, subscribe, rate, review, and let us know more of what you want to hear. And let's start this off, guys. The news that started coming out this morning, Lionel Messi, the former all-world European soccer sensation, Now making his way to inner Miami in MLS. Uh, This news reported by a number of different entities, but Charlotte, you were down there in Miami with the Levitard crew. Mike Ryan, executive producer and Grand Poobab, so many things around that show, has been an integral part of this reporting in the face of naysayers. Can you still hear Mike Ryan taking his victory lap around the studios there uh, down at Meadowlark headquarters?
2: oh yeah i'm i'm 20 floors up from them and i can i can still hear it it was it was a real shame that i had to come do your show and had to duck out right <laughs> before he could take his victory lap um but you know what congrats congrats to miami I, I think anything that makes mls uh even more exciting is great for for the sport and the league and um you know if that means being where where people come to take a victory lap then so be it
0: yeah, Dad, this continues the proud tradition of former stars on the European, various European circuits making their way over to the United States. It sounds like he is going to get a big cut of money in the Apple TV deal, a big cut of money from Adidas and one of their chief sponsors, and all these other ways that he's going to feel very good about coming over and playing in a league that's certainly lesser than the ones overseas.
1: Well, I think he's been with Adidas since, what, 06? He was with Nike when he was 14 years old. But he's been uh, with Adidas, I know, since uh, since 06 So he, he's been getting a ton of money from them. All I know is he won't make as much money as he would have made if he went to Saudi Arabia, where they were going. They made him an offer and they felt it was a 50-50 chance that he was going to get it. We just saw what Kareem Benzema, and I hope I'm saying that correctly, his last name, got you know over $600 million, uh for three years. You know, Messi would have got a ton of money like that, but it's a guy that's worth $600 million. So we always say, when is enough money enough money? And And was it, you know, the the money situation or he didn't feel comfortable going over there? Because we know Cristiano Ronaldo already, who had signed with the Saudi group, wants out of there after a year and is trying to get out of there. So we'll see. But going back to the original point, this is MLS getting some of these stars when they're a little longer in the tooth. But still, you get some great name recognition to come to the States.
0: Big-time stuff, big-time win for them, but let's not let this overshadow. This day is about Mike Ryan and Mike Ryan alone. Uh, Guys, let's get to that. Charlotte, we didn't get to mention this since the last time we saw you. Last week, we did not talk to you about your trip to the Taylor Swift concert. You saw her at MetLife here. Give us your two-minute or so review of seeing our Lord and Savior, Taylor Swift.
2: It was um, a very emotional experience for me, which I think – surprised me and didn't surprise me but but what for me as a sports reporter how many times i've walked into stadiums and just i you have this i have this sense i'm very aware of my body of being a woman in this space uh and and i got very emotional when i walked into the stadium because i was in the concourse and i realized it was the first time i had felt safe in one of those stadiums. And uh, hearing all of these women chant F the patriarchy along with her, um, of course, there weren't, it wasn't just women, but it was an overwhelmingly not toxic masculine crowd. And that to me was just like, oh my, and, and it was very overwhelming because I was like, wow, this is my job. And this is the first time I'm really feeling, yeah, there I am. <laughs> That's the cruel summer bridge ah. for it. For the real ones, no, but it—it it was, and she just puts on an unbelievable show. I mean, for three and a half hours, she is unstoppable, um, and I love her songs. So it was really fun.
1: You know, it's—it's it, amazing. You know, Charlotte, I, I was at an event yesterday, a golf outing, and where I was stationed on on one green, uh, one tee box, and the dad was there and his daughter, who was who was a sophomore in college or a sophomore or junior in college just went to a, a Taylor Swift concert at concert Chicago. She had just come from it. And her dad asked her, how was the atmosphere? And it's amazing, Charlotte. She kind of said the same thing. She said, I've never been to a concert where I knew there was going to be no issues. You know, er- everything was great. You know, everybody was there for the party. Everybody was there for Taylor Swift. No, There was no other agendas out there at all. People, little girls dressing up like her. Everybody was just in a great mood there was nothing hostile. There was never going to be any issues at all. She said it was a phenomenal experience. It was interesting. I just thought of that now because you said of just kind of how safe you felt. And my God, isn't that the way we should feel when you when you go to be entertained by somebody?
0: I was going to say, boy, is that an indictment on the rest of society as much as it is a compliment to Taylor Swift, which she uh, absolutely yes. deserves. So. We're glad you had a great time there, Charlotte. Dad, you should feel great shame. You're the only one here outside of uh, Brandon, too, that hasn't seen Taylor Swift's live. So hopefully at some time. point yeah. you can receive her saving yeah, I'll be okay. because it uh, clearly <laughs> yeah, washes over okay. everyone very well. Guys, let's finish off with the third. Big announcement for me. I felt like I had been largely getting out of the Bachelor-Bachelorette game just because it had felt like old hat. And then they go and pull me back in. Apparently on the upcoming season of The Bachelorette, it will feature a former Auburn offensive lineman, Caleb Kim, the Georgian native, was an O-lineman at Auburn from 2015 to 2019, started 17 games there, and now is getting ready to go try and win love on a television screen, uh, screen. Dad, this is big news for the big boy community. We haven't traditionally fared well in this field, and unfortunately, this young man has to carry our hopes and dreams and try and represent for the community that more often than not, when people talk about the dateable positions on a football team, offensive line is one that's offered up as the good, trustworthy one, the one you want to bring home to mom and dad, and so he's got to go and carry that weight quite literally for all of us.
1: Yeah, I, I, I have not seen him, so I don't know if he's still carrying that weight. Quite honestly, he hasn't been out of college all that long, I don't believe. And also, it makes me reminisce to back when we were in Connecticut, you were supposed to do the, be the bachelor for the local uh, when, when they do the traveling show, and that got canceled because of COVID. So I was kind of bummed at that. Always good to see what a football player, in this case an old lineman, is, is going to will, will Charity like you know the big boy if he still, in fact, is a big boy?
2: Uh, I just want to say that this, once again, proves the Bachelor's sports. I rest my case. Thank you so much.
0: Charlotte Wilder proven more and more correct as time goes on. History will be kind to Charlotte Wilder because she has already written it. The Bachelor and Bachelorette firmly sports. Um Somehow, some way, this podcast also still firmly qualifies as sports. If you agree, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review. Make sure you leave us a five star rating. Make sure you check us out in replay on the DraftKings YouTube channel or live Monday th- through Friday, 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern, right here on the DraftKingsNetwork.com. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Go, go. Boom. Money in the bank.